York City is home to world-famous art museums like the Met, MoMA, and the Guggenheim. But this morning we're discovering art in the unlikeliest of places, including a hair salon. Good morning. I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Soho in Lower Manhattan is home to several eclectic art galleries. And of course, Broadway features some of the greatest theater in the world. But have you ever seen an art exhibit in an empty lot or a play in a former hospital? Katie Fisher reports on how arts and cultural organizations that can't afford prime real estate to put on events are getting creative with their venues. It's not uncommon in these tough economic times to see dark, vacant properties scattered throughout New York City. Some are left untouched for months or even years. Landlords can have trouble finding renters for these spaces because not everyone can see the potential in them. But some people in the art community are looking beyond out-of-control weeds and crumbling floorboards. They see these places as an opportunity. I think for types of spaces like these, It really just takes one person to show some sort of positivity towards the space for other people to sort of realize what can happen and and jump on board. Jasmine Wahi started an organization called Project for Empty Space back in 2010. She says the city allowed her to take over a small, empty lot nestled between two buildings on the Lower East Side. So far, the project has hosted a variety of exhibits, including the work of charcoal artist Alex Callender. The theater group Irondale Ensemble has a lot in common with Project for Empty Space. Co-founder Terry Grice searched for nearly 25 years for a permanent space and eventually found an underutilized church in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. He says properties like this make art possible for smaller groups. New York is, is such a dense population of artists and cultural organizations and people creating work. It's, you know, there's no other city like it in the world for its, its density. But what is always at a premium is space to do it. Very often, what's going to happen is small organizations come and rent a space for a lot of money and put in a show that looks horrible because they've used all the money they had on rental. First, got to get stopped here, right? I wonder if you keep your hand on me. Third Rail Projects, a small theater group, is building a set while rehearsing for an upcoming show in a basement of an old hospital in Brooklyn. The Greenpoint Hospital was closed back in the 80s and sat completely empty until 2010. The basement was in pretty bad shape. The group's been fixing it up for months. Zach Morris, one of the actors, says it's been a labor of love to clean up the space for the performance. We're thrilled to be one of the first companies who is really using every sort of alcove and corner of it and, and really sort of highlighting the beautiful falling apartness that is this hospital. On the surface, these types of projects seem like the perfect opportunity, but sometimes things can take a wrong turn. Hungi Krakauer with the Queen's Council on the Arts says it can be tough to use empty properties on a temporary basis. She says things get tricky when the public's invited. There's security, there's utilities, there's access, there's a lot of things that you don't think about. But to help things go as smoothly as possible, a number of groups in New York are working to navigate artists through the process. Anita Durst is the founder of Shasama, an organization that connects artists to realtors and landlords who have empty spaces to donate. She says it's good for the artists and the economy. When people want to come and rent those stores or other places in the area, they see that there is, instead of it being a negative, empty energy, they say, huh, there's a gallery here. Well, I could see my office here. Yep, there we go. That's lovely. 
Back in Greenpoint, actor Tom Pearson is looking forward to finally performing at a sold-out show after two years of preparation. He says he can't believe their vision is almost a reality. For Cityscape, I'm Katie Fisher. A hospital examination room might be the last place you'd expect to find the work of artist Jeff Koons. But thanks to the organization RX Art, his iconic balloon dog and donkey imagery adorn the walls of a children's hospital in Illinois. RX Art uses contemporary art to promote healing in otherwise sterile hospital environments. Diane Brown is the organization's founder. Diane, good morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. What inspired you to create this program? I was having a CAT scan. And I was afraid. I was afraid of what they would find. But the room was really cold. It was, it was just cold and frightening. And the doctors were humorless. There was nothing, no, nothing to look at, nothing to think about except the test. And I wanted to get out of the room. I don't panic, but I did panic, and I couldn't get out of the room. So I imagined, just spontaneously imagined, a Matthew Ritchie painting going up the wall and across the ceiling and I got completely involved in his vocabulary. And it was a miracle. But when this, this test was finished, and I hadn't even been there, so when that happened, I felt I'd like to do this for other people. And if they didn't have my background or my imagination, we would have to be more concrete. So I started to speak to my colleagues in the art world. I'd been an art dealer for many years and also been a private curator. And I talked to collectors and dealers and curators And everybody said, you're out of your mind if you want to put museum-quality art in hospitals, not charge the hospitals, pay artists. It's it's not a good model. Well, how did you get that off the ground then? Well, I had one encouraging person, and it was Agnes Gund, and she said, try it. And my she gave us our first contribution, and it was like, I thought that blessed the program. We we curate our installations, and most of them are site-specific, so... Depending on the situation on the hospital, on its demographics, we select the artist for each hospital. Which was the first hospital that you worked with? The first hospital was Rockefeller University Hospital. Nobody wanted to take a chance on us. I wanted to put something that was a little different. I didn't want to put trees and ponds, just what you'd expect to see, something very soothing in a hospital. I don't want to agitate patients. They have enough to be agitated about. But I thought if you give them something that's challenging in a positive way to look at, then it will capture their attention and they may look at it and become engaged. And that would take them out of the room for even a few minutes. So you went to the hospital and you proposed this idea. Right. And everyone said, thank you very much. No. (laughs) One of my advisory board members was um, a trustee emeritus of Rockefeller University Hospital, and he asked them to please give me a chance. And they did. And Barry Kohler um, at Rockefeller understands art and is very enlightened and wonderful man. And he said, we'll give it a chance. And we had a book of comments so the patients could, and the staff, could give comments. And there were a few pieces that didn't work for the staff or for the patients, so we took them out. In what year did you make that first installation? 2002. Now, how far have you come? How many hospitals are you in today? I think we're in 20 hospitals. Not just in New York City, right no, across no, the country. No, we put work in St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis, in Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, Children's Memorial Hermann in Houston, Texas, San Francisco General, Children's Hospital Boston. In Chicago, we did a fantastic project with Jeff Coons. 
Jeff was very generous to us. And we he worked on a pediatric CAT scan machine, which was so important for me. I was afraid, so I figured these children must be terrified of this test. And he worked, put his monkey, the CAT scan machine is painted electric blue, and he put his monkey faces on it. And then the whole room is a Jeff Koons environment. His iconic images, his balloon dog, his hanging heart, um, a, don a pin the tail on the donkey are on the other walls. And then when we finished, he said, you know, I think we need to do the floor. So the floor is also colors. And it's, it's so beautiful and magical. And one of the doctors told me that they were sedating fewer children mm. because this room wasn't frightening anymore. This work is taking their minds yeah. off their troubles at the hospital, taking the fear away. Taking the fear away. The, the CAT scan room is awful to look at. It's, it's awful. It's just to have something else to look at and think about, especially something as cheerful as the Coons. I'd like to look at monkeys when I go to the Me doctor. Me too. <laughs> I'd like to look at Jeff Coons anyway. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Are there scientific studies that you're aware of that examine the relationship between art and healing or art and the hospital experience? Yes, there are scientific studies. There've been a, there's been a lot of work done. And honestly, there's more anecdotal evidence than clinical evidence. They do know that it decreases length of stay. Are the artists donating their talents, or do you commission them and pay them? We commission them, and we give them an honorarium. Some of the artists, like Jeff, decline the honorarium, and we just pay for the fabrication. We pay for framing. We pay for any fabricating that needs to be done for installation, for travel, if necessary. What is your primary source of funding, private donations? Private donations, some foundations, corporate. We have some very, very good corporate sponsors, Keels has been super generous to us, Chanel, Ralph Lauren in the past, Donna Karen. We've had some wonderful corporate sponsors. Have you heard personally from patients who told you their stories? Yes. Yeah, we have. And we were trying out a video one day, and it, and it was a, vi a daylight video of animals. The daylight video, you have to have the room a little bit dim, but not dark. And it looks, there's no screen. It looks like the animals are coming right at you. And we had flamingos, and the flamingos were on the wall, and the kids were running around, and the little girls were petting them, and the little boys were smashing them. And then when the flamingos would take flight, everybody would go, whoo, because they thought they could take credit for the flamingos flying because they scared them. And this one little boy was having a particularly good time, and then he came up to me and he said, are there other animals? I said, I don't know. There might be. You, you just can't tell with these animals. They come and they go. And he said, well... Um, I have to go to radiation, but it won't take long. Do you think there might be another animal when I come back? Mm. And I said, it's possible. And he went off to radiation, and his mother told me this this poor little boy had had six surgeries that year for cancer. He was, I don't know what his uh, prognosis was, but I wanted to make him smile. And I asked the artist, we were just testing it, to put the tiger video in because the tiger was particularly great. At one point in the tiger video, the tiger just lays down, and you can only see above the floorboards, if you know it's there, two little ears peeking up. And then the tiger stands up and starts walking toward you, and it's fabulous. So the little boy went running off to radiation, and I know he was thinking about, are there other animals? And he came running back a little while later, and this tiger happened to be lying down, so he didn't see anything, and his face just fell. And then as he got closer, the tiger stood up and his eyes were like saucers. It was, it was wonderful. Are you primarily in children's <clears throat> hospitals? We do a lot of work with children's hospitals. We also have work in the bone marrow transplant unit at Mount Sinai. In Emory, we did nuclear imaging. We have a great James Walling project. 
So no, not exclusively children's, but we do a lot of children's hospitals. What do you hear from the hospital personnel, the doctors, the nurses? Are they benefiting from this too? Absolutely, and that's part of the project. The idea is to take the stress away and the fear from the children. But as a mother, if my child were in the hospital, I think it might be worse for me because I would know what was going on. I think that we need to do this for the parents, too. And parents have told me that it made a huge difference for them to have something to look at, to take their minds off that their child is in the hospital. Another really great thing happened when I first started. There was um, I was at a cocktail party, and someone asked me what I did for a living, and I told them I was putting art in hospitals. And this young man said, oh, well, if you want to see a hospital, go to Rockefeller. I said, oh, that's my project. And he said that... A f- Rockefeller is a research hospital, as I explained, so they they might have an AIDS research going on or lupus or dermatology. They have all different kinds of research going on, so their patients stay for different amounts of time. So he was going to see a friend who was there for an AIDS study, and he said he was nervous about going to see him because they both knew that he had AIDS, but how do you start the conversation? He's in the hospital. It's just awkward. He said when he got up to the patient floor, his friend was standing at the door of his room. And he said, oh, my God, come in here. There's a Joel Meyerowitz in my room, and there's a Mel Bachner down the hall. This place has real art. How great is and that? And they were able to start a conversation about something other than illness. Mm-hmm. And I know that the nurses and doctors have also, what they told me at Rockefeller, that they, they have favorites. They have conversations about the art. So that's really exciting for us because the staff is there every day. And if their environment is better, the patients are going to be better served, too. And is this all cost-free for the hospital? Yes. How do you go about striking the relationship with the hospital? A lot of them find us, and we're working now to move into California to do more work in California. So we're talking to hospitals there, and we have recommendations from doctors here and from administrators in hospitals here who will introduce us to administrators in California so we can begin a dialogue. And it all came from that personal experience. Yeah. Well, doesn't don't most things? Yeah, yeah, that's from true. Something little and so obvious. Mm-hmm. And that's the funny thing. It's yeah. so obvious, yeah, it's right? So obvious. I mean, it doesn't. It's so obvious. Diane Brown, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Diane Brown is the founder and director of RX Art. Visit wfuv.org/cityscape to learn more about RX Art. From art in a hospital to art in a hair salon. Our exploration of art in unlikely places continues now, and it takes us to La Salon des Art on Manhattan's Lower East Side. The salon features a new art exhibition every month. I recently chatted with the owner on the phone. My name is uh, Hans Kermans. I'm the co-owner, together with my wife, of La Salon des Art. Hans, what's the story behind this hair salon meets art gallery? Initially, Le Salon d'Art was just a salon like many others, and we were looking for something different. Uh, a friend of mine suggested to put some art on the walls, and somehow that, that got us to the idea of uh, doing it more permanent. We started talking to some artists, and we st- did our first opening like three years ago, where an artist would come in, would put all their current art on our walls. We had an opening party. Then people would come to the salon to take a look at that art and have a good time by sharing a glass of wine and uh, some snacks, 
sometimes even listening to a live performance of a guitarist. And it was a way for us to also capture new clients coming into the salon. So the art's there amidst the hair dryers and everything else you would find in a salon. Yeah. When you're sitting in one of our chairs uh, around the mirror, there's different pieces of art hanging. And every month if you come back to the salon, you're going to see a totally new salon because the art is going to be new. Now, are you mostly exhibiting the work of emerging artists or are they established artists? In the beginning, uh, I I was trying to feel my way around the art world and I, I didn't have any clue. I, I like art myself, and I used to paint before, but I didn't really know what I wanted, and and it was more at that point what would look good in the salon. But most established artists, they only want to be in the in larger established galleries. Uh, so we started with emerging uh, artists, and we, we stuck to it because they are in need of, of a space like us. And, and they always jump to the occasion uh, of putting their best effort in. And uh, and it's a way of us uh, to help them. And some galleries don't like us. Why is that? It's it's weird. I've been trying to... Uh, I have some good relations with some gallery owners, but there's a few, especially in the Lower East Side, that they, they think that we are... Uh, a competition, maybe because we are leveraging uh, our our rent by having these exhibits, and they, as a gallery, only can survive if they sell art because that's the only thing they do, and because we're a salon and a gallery. And they even went as far as they uh, took us out of a gallery tour, really, because they think that we are not a full gallery. Hmm. How do you feel about that? Uh, actually, really bad. <laughs> I think that I am as much as a gallery as any other gallery because the purpose of a gallery is to show a quality piece of art in a room so that people like you and me can come in and enjoy that art. Do you think that they feel the fact that you're a salon that it cheapens the art? That's what they think. But most of the artists that have displayed their work at my art, they just love it because it looks so different because every little corner that we have in our salon, we dedicate it to the art. And while you go to a traditional gallery, they space wide open. There's like a lot of neutral space between one painting and the other. It, contrary to us, where it's like nicely packed. I would imagine this must spark some pretty interesting conversations between the hairstylist and the person sitting in the chair. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you do your exhibit openings during the workday, or do you do them in the evenings when the salon is closed? Uh, no, uh, we do opening parties uh, uh, usually between 7 and 11 on a Thursday, and the opening parties can get really crowded. And then if people would be sitting in the chairs while there's an opening party, it would be a little bit too much. Although we had occasions that the party starts at 7, and there's still clients in the chairs, uh, but we help them out, you know, we make them feel at ease, we give them a glass of wine and maybe some snacks while they get a little bit overwhelmed with the, that presence around them, you know. 
Are there any issues at all, Hans, when it comes to the chemicals used in a hair salon, the sprays, that kind of thing, with artwork on the wall? Do artists express any concerns about that kind of thing? Uh, no, uh, I've, I've not had any any concern about any of the artists, uh, uh, specific, especially because uh, the artists on the walls, uh, it's slightly... Uh, higher than uh, where the uh, stylus is operating and uh, so far uh, nobody make any comment about it. All right, Hans, anything else about your salon that you want to add that we didn't talk about? Well, I mean, uh, we are in the Lower East Side, which is probably one of the nicest neighborhoods uh, of uh, that has still some tradition in New York. And uh, we're very proud of where we're at, at uh, 90 Stanton. And, uh, I mean, our stylists are wonderful. We do great haircuts. We got great reviews. So come in for a haircut and enjoy our arts. Okay. And your website is for people who want to find out more and find out about your uh, latest opening? www.lesalonart, one word. That's L-E-S-A-L-O-N-A-R-T dot com. All right, Hans. Thanks so much for your time. It was a pleasure. Hans Kegermans is the co-owner of Le Salon des Art on Manhattan's Lower East Side. You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. I'm George Borarki. This morning, we're exploring unlikely places to find art in New York City. Chances are you've gotten some grub from a food truck at one time or another, but have you ever gotten an art fix from a mobile business? Enter Art Cart NYC and its founder, Hannah Flagelman. Hannah, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. What is Art Cart? Art Cart is a mobile exhibition space that encourages people to think imaginatively about exhibiting and experiencing art. So on a basic level, I work with emerging contemporary artists to stage art exhibitions in a truck. In a truck. In a truck. On the streets of New York City. On, around, the whole thing in the streets of New York. Give me an example of a project that you have seen through. Sure. The most recent project that we did um, in June as part of Bushwick Open Studios was called Defaced Project. I worked with um, an L.A.-based artist named Ali Pohl, and we set up a website where any member of the public could go online and contribute their thoughts and feelings about using social media. We focus primarily on Facebook, but it could be anything involving Twitter, Instagram, online dating. Um, And so we crowdsourced all of these anonymous thoughts about what the experience is, you know, existing online, basically. And then for the exhibition, we turned the truck into a live stream of all of those comments. And inside the truck, Allie was giving interviews with people to sort of keep the conversation going. Now, who is your audience? Just passers-by? Definitely passers-by. We, I mean, if I had to say my target audience, I would probably say it's, you know, young urban people living in, you know, neighborhoods that embrace culture, that embrace art, that embrace unique um, experiences of the city. We also participate a lot in festivals that promote the arts or promote, again, this fresh way of experiencing New York. That so I being participated s- in the Festival of Ideas, mm-hmm. Bushwick Open Studios, um, Fab Fest and Block Party in the East Village. So really are depends. those the neighborhoods you primarily target with Art Cart? Yeah, I'd say it's been a lot of Brooklyn, a lot of downtown New York, but I'm really hoping to 
expand in the next year and also start showing in other cities. Do you have hopes at all, though, of bringing art to underserved communities, to communities that perhaps really don't know art, don't know, you know, the concepts behind it? It's not really in the forefront there. Absolutely. I think I've definitely wanted to do that, but it's it's a very sensitive approach because there's a difference between bringing art to someone who's not welcoming of it and feeling like something has just been imposed upon an individual in a neighborhood that maybe wasn't asking for it and finding a way to work with local communities to create something that everybody wants, um, if that makes sense. So I've always wanted to do that, but I've wanted to do it in a way where in which I'm not imposing what I think is good art on a community that doesn't care. Um, that's what I thought was so great about Defaced in, is that, you know, it took took an idea, it took something, you know, a topic that everyone can relate to. You know, you don't have to be someone who goes to MoMA every week to use, you know, to know what the experience is using Facebook. And that was really the first time I think Arcart found a way to bridge the gap between people who are already, um, you know, culturally savvy and those who might not be or who might be intimidated by that kind of world. Yeah, because quite frankly, there are a lot of people here in New York City who are not going to go to the MoMA or the Absolutely. Guggenheim. Absolutely. And I fully understand why. I mean, I know I'm very unusual in that I have to go see some kind of art exhibition at least once a week to feel like I'm getting my fix. And I think my initial intention in starting Art Cart was to show that experiencing fine art, but also you know, culture at large can be a far more approachable experience than people think. And people can relate to a truck on the streets of New York City. We have so many food trucks yeah, that was on my the primary streets of New York City. Was for starting right? it, yeah. Because I studied art in school and spent years um, interning and working at Blue Chip Galleries, Auction House, all of that. And um, 2009, when tons of galleries, I was living on the Lower East Side at the time, tons of galleries lost their spaces and started noticing pop-ups um, and DIY projects sort of sprouting up. And the next thing I knew, too, everywhere I was, I was either seeing or hearing or reading about food trucks gaining this enormous popularity on Twitter, on Facebook, um, huge following. And I thought, you know, why, why doesn't the art world do this? Would be just, you know, it would be just as effective, even if we're not selling something. You mentioned DIY projects. Are people not familiar with what they are? What are they? Sure. Um, when I say DIY projects, I just mean artists finding a vacated space and making an exhibition by themselves without the assistance of a proper gallery or museum or curator or installers. It's something that feels much more handmade. <laughs> what does the art cart look like? Well, it looks different every time. That's one of the things I love about it. It's always sort of changing its face. The first show I ever did looked like a more traditional exhibition, but on the outside of it, we um, covered it with mirrored vinyl and had sort of um, a prism effect. So when you would see it driving on the street, you saw yourself, but distorted in some way. Um, the second art cart that we did, um, my artist covered the outside with this knitted quilt and um and hair extensions. <laughs> so it kind of became this very strange patchwork appearance on the outside. And then um, then two more that we did, we had one that looked like a cave on the outside. It was this like white 
geometric paper construction that that was a relief that came from the outside of the truck and one artist did um you know poured paint something kind of like Linda Bangless or Jackson Pollock that covered the outside but the truck itself is your standard food truck type truck the truck itself is usually a 15 foot box truck um i typically work with rider i wanted something a little more monumental than the food truck something that an artist could really see as an expansive space to to work with now food trucks here in new york city face a number of regulations and they need permits what Mm -hmm. about you and the art cart (laughs) well since i'm not selling anything with the art card. I don't need to have a vendor's permit. That said, if I were running an art installation that required power and I had a generator, I technically would need a permit for that. And I technically need a permit to park in certain areas. Um, Part of the reason why we've participated in festivals is that a lot of those permit requirements are taken care of by the festival at large. Um, the last show that I did in Bushwick, we just parked on the street two days ahead and didn't have to get any permits um, because we just made sure that we parked and the streets are wide enough that it didn't cause a disturbance in the neighborhood. But that's always a consideration because I really should have more permits and street closure and all of that. But sometimes you can make it work if it's not a huge group. And what's your website for people who want to learn more about ArtCart? It's www.artcartnyc.com. Hannah, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Hannah Flagelman is the founder and executive director of ArtCart NYC. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. Want to know more about the organizations we talked about this morning? Well, visit wfuv.org slash cityscape for more information. My thanks to senior producer Morlene Chin and producer Julie Clark. Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm.